Good morning, Whitewater. How are you guys doing? Last week we had almost 20, I think it was 22 kids dedicated to the Lord. How cool is that? Yeah. Yes. We want to be a a healthy church that's growing and reaching people and we're definitely growing. (laughs) You guys are growing our church, some of you out there. Um, Man, I just want to welcome you if you're new. Uh, Whitewater is a place that we hope you can belong before you believe that this is a place you can explore spirituality, find relationship, find true friendship, uh, and, and, and really grow. Uh, we don't want you to stop at belonging. We want you to, to explore belief and, and eventually become who God's created you to be. And so that's our privilege to help you move forward in that journey. Um, we're in this series uh, called Built, and uh, these next few weeks we've we've decided to do built on relationships. We we were planning on doing a series on that, and after finding out, um, after you guys took a survey at Easter, we found out, man, relationships are just. This is a huge need. It was the number one thing people were wanting to know. How do we biblically or how does God empower us to, to live um, lives where we have healthy relationships? So that's what we're jumping into. Last week was about forgiveness and forgiveness from the angle of restoring other people, restoring ourselves uh, to God. And uh, this week it's all about looking at forgiveness as releasing people um, to have freedom in their lives. Okay, so let me pray and we'll jump in. Father God, thank you for every soul that's here. I pray that you would bless them, that you would help them, that you would uh, encourage them, people who are down and just struggling. Would you lift them up today, Lord? Would you remove heavy burdens in their life today? Just just cut loose those uh, those ties that bind and the weights that are in their life. I pray that we would we would be able to love you more. Um, just love you with all of our, all of our hearts, Lord. Help us to take time to do that today. In Jesus' name, Amen. Uh, I want to mention next week. You won't want to miss it because we're talking about uh, how to deal with the people that drive you crazy. So be sure to be there and bring those people. It'll be good for them. Um, so here we go. It says in Luke uh, seventeen verse one. It says offenses will certainly come. Jesus opens and he's just, Jesus likes to speak the truth. He says, offenses, conflict, uh, hurt, sin will happen. He's saying like, make conflict normal. Don't accept like conflict or don't be a conflict maker. Some of you guys might have patterns of like, well, I love to create conflict. I love people feeling awkward and uncomfortable. But make conflict normal because we are all in relationships and we're all broken people. We all have issues and so conflict will come. We need to embrace the reality of conflict. I had a friend tell me like, if you don't make conflict normal, you're never going to become good at it. He's like, i never seen anybody get good at anything without practice. And so some of you guys are like, oh man, I have a heck lot of practice in conflict. Um, some of us need to learn to grow and get in the skills of dealing with conflict. Offenses will come. We looked at this passage last week. We're going to be looking at some different angles of this passage. We're going to be exegeting this and, uh, and Luke 7 uh, from some different angles today. Um, offenses will come. That begs the question, how do you deal with conflict? How does your family deal with with conflict. Now, uh, there's often, you can kind of categorize how people deal with conflict in two different categories. Um, there are some people who are like turtles, and there are some people who are like skunks. How do, how do turtles deal with conflict? 
What happens when they see something that scares them? How do they deal with something that, that causes adrenaline to rush? What happens? They, they turtle up, right? That's a technical term. They turtle up. You guys remember, you guys watched Ninja Turtles when you were growing up? I was a big Ninja Turtle fan. Uh, Leonardo was my favorite guy. He had the swords. They would, they would all of a sudden turtle up in like their shells and they were protected and they'd kind of run and retreat and it was very defensive, right? So there's turtles who turtle up and uh, then there's skunks. And what do skunks do when they face conflict? They spray, uh, and they can very, very, be very pre- precise in their targeting of what they spray, but they're also very indiscriminate. And they'll just spray everything, you know, that's just around them. Um, when you think of your life and how you look at conflict, which are you? Are you, are, do we have any turtles in there out here that just kind of like the turtle up? Ugh, get in the shell. Okay, there's a few of us. How many guys are, uh, skunks? How many of these guys are skunks? Come on now. Own it. Okay, there's a few of you guys. Because some of the, I mean, offenses can be like actions or words and even smells. So we definitely have some skunks here. Um, it's really funny to me. Oftentimes, God will put people who are either a turtle and a skunk in a marriage together and like, or best friends and like they just deal with things totally different. There is a new uh, category that we're thinking of uh, from the last service as we were talking. It occurred to us that there might be another category which is snapping turtles. They like turtle up for a little bit and then they build and build and if you get too close, they're gonna snap you. A few snapping turtles out there too. (laughs) People are like, yes. Conflict will come. Jesus makes that clear. Offenses will certainly come. It goes on to say, but woe to the one through whom they come. It would be better for him or her if a millstone was hung around their neck and they were thrown into the sea than for them to cause one of these little ones to stumble. Well, what's that all about? We didn't have time to look at that last week, and there's a lot there, and it can sound like really morbid. Better that you would throw yourself in the sea with like a with a millstone. How many of you guys like know what a millstone is? You guys know how many of you guys have worked on a millstone? Millstone at your home? It's for grinding like, you know, grain into flour. Have you guys you guys are really like into that kind of stuff? Well, let me sh- let's show you a picture real quick. This is a millstone in case you don't have one or haven't seen one. It's better that you have one of those around your neck than hurting somebody else. Wow. If you were thrown into the sea with that attached, life is not going to go well. Right? Can we agree? Um, I don't care how good a swimmer you are. It's not going to go well. Millstone definition. Millstones are each of two circular stones used for uh, grinding grain. Or a heavy, inescapable burden and responsibility. That's such a horrible definition, but it's so true. A heavy, inescapable burden or responsibility what jesus is really driving at not that like if you were to cause someone to, to stumble that you, you know you're not worthy of life what he's saying is um people do you understand the destructive force of sin do you understand how many layers and how much impact and how much devastation that uh one sin can cause one of the lies that we'll believe, um, I think, as people about sin when we're kind of like in the throes of sin and lost in uh, going down a path that's unhealthy, or maybe in, uh, if you're addicted to something, one of the lies that uh, we who are addicted to sinful things at times, one of the lies we believe is that it only impacts me. This only impacts me. And Jesus is saying, no, that is not true. I mean, in 20 years, ask your kids if the addiction that you had or had 
affected them, how it affected them. I mean, you'll learn that addiction or sin and actions, anger, things that we do that's, that are unhealthy, the destructive force that it has on other people is so much greater than we realize. Jesus says it's better that you would remove yourself fully from the scenario than cause someone else to be sin because here's what happens. Sin, sin is like a stone that drags us down. You might want to take your notes out. Sin is like a stone. I had a friend who was, um, he was about five or six, I think, and he was, um, uh, in Minnesota, the land of many lakes, and they were having a family reunion, and all the kids were together, and they had a big raft in one of these lakes, and they were getting out deeper and deeper past, you know, where you were wading, and, the, and where you had to swim. And he had learned how to swim, but he wasn't a strong swimmer yet. And when they were out there, there's this raft, and they had created a, a homemade anchor. It was made out of like a Clorox, um, a Clorox bleach um, bottle, and, and they'd poured sand in this thing, and it became a weight. And he swam down and picked it up and, and started swimming with it. It was light enough that he could swim with it, but it was still heavy, like it could keep the raft in place. So they were trying to move the raft, and he was swimming, swimming. All of a sudden, he started getting tired, so he started swimming toward the raft to, to get a break. And his older brothers, like 10, 10 or 11, um, let him get close enough to almost grab the raft, and then he just pushed his nose, doink, and the raft pushed away, and they had to swim up a little bit more. And he almost got to the raft, and his older brother, as older brothers will do, pushed him away again. Doink. And, and he kept doing this. He kept getting more and more tired. And all of a sudden, the, like, the adrenaline and panic started to set in. I don't know if you've ever had that feeling where you're getting pulled under in water. And when you're a kid, I remember being that, being that way. I wasn't a strong swimmer. Grew up in Southern California, and there's all these pools. I remember that feeling that just t- takes over. And my friend Dale said he just felt panic take over, so he started screaming. His brother kept pushing him away. Sin is like that anchor. Sin is like that millstone. Sin is a stone that drags us down. And not just us, but others. When people are, are going down they're, and they're drowning and they're being pulled under, one of, one of the things they tell you is to be very careful because what do they do when they're, when they're going under? They begin pulling anyone and anything they can with them because they're, they're trying to save themselves. So sin causes that. It pulls other people in. And there's a devastating reality that sin impacts, um, way more people than we realize. And, and, and for, you can, if we're honest, we can look back in our own generations, like family generations of, of patterns of dealing with conflict, patterns of addiction, patterns of sin. So that we see get passed from one generation to the next. Hurt people, hurt people, hurt people, hurt people. Do you see this pattern in the world around you? So often we'll look at someone being really frustrated and angry with them because why would they do that? We'll get so angry. But, but what's happened is they've been hurt and now they're living out of that hurt and that pattern and it's causing the infliction on other people. Jesus said it's better to like remove yourself from the situation because sin is like a, is a stone that drags us down. It drags us down. Um, and in the same way, it goes on to say this in, in Luke um, chapter 17, verse 3. It says, if a brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times a day uh, and comes back to you seven times saying, I repent and I'm sorry, then you must forgive him. And some of you guys are like, seven times only? If you remember last week, seven is like the symbol for like eternal like, like it's simple for God, so like there's this infinity, eternal nature to it. So he's really teaching us that we have to be people of forgiveness all the time. It doesn't mean that we're not people of truth. It doesn't mean that we uh, continue
continue exposing ourselves to really toxic behavior. That's not what it's saying. But it is saying that we do have to forgive. And here's why. If sin is like a stone that drags us down, then so is unforgiveness. Because what Jesus recognizes that when someone sins against you, and if it's egregious, like really bad, or if it's just something that's nagging, what happens is it attaches to us and it begins pulling us down. And the only way that you can not be pulled down by that sin is to let it go, release it, forgive so that you can come up, back up to the surface, so that you can come back up for air, so you can be free. So Jesus sees the reality that not only the, the damage of sin, but the, the um, way it attaches to us. Can we agree that this is probably a true reality Jesus is speaking about? Now, um, it's also true that when we have been hurt by somebody, the tendency is to like turtle up or skunk up, right? Or snapping turtle up. And, and here's, the, here's the reality. Sometimes we could, where, where we could pour water on a fire, where we could put something out, we, because we're afraid to go talk with somebody, because we're so hurt, we won't actually go and see and, and discover if what happened really happened. We, here's what, what often happens with, with when we are hurt and offended is we don't go actually seek the truth to find out if they actually did what we thought they did or if they intend to do it. Sometimes we're like, you did this and you meant to do it. You knew this would hurt me. You know how badly that thing hurts me. You know my history. You did this on purpose. And we'll assign like motive and blame. And we're, we've got it like, we're the judge and jury. We've got it nailed. They're dead to rights, and we haven't even talked with them yet. Um, in Matthew 18, Jesus talks about this. He talks about how important it is to protect unity. When we are, if we're the church, we're a community of people, conflict will happen, Jesus says. Offenses will happen. We are to be a community that fights for unity, not fights just to be right. We have to fight for unity. And the way we fight for unity is really simple. This is in your notes. Protect unity by directly seeking to understand the truth. Before we assume that someone hurt us uh, purposefully or even did, like we're the ones who did this, have we even gone to them to find out what happened? Did they really do this? Why did it happen? Why did they do it? We want to skip that. and We want to run to like the rebuke and wrath. Don't we? Like, I, I know I do sometimes. I'm just like, man, are you kidding me? I know what they were thinking. Really? Matthew 18 helps us learn how to protect unity. It says this, if another believer sins against you, or you, or you think that they've sinned against you, go privately and point out the offense. Did you know that when you said this? Did you know that when you did this, like this is what it did to me? Or that <coughs> I heard <coughs> that you were talking about me and that really hurt. They're like, oh, I never talked about you. Yeah, someone told me they had this conversation. Yeah, no, that didn't happen. Never mind. Yeah, I, like, I just know that you know how badly that hurts. When you said this and you did this and you, did, you, you know how bad that made me feel and look in front of the family. Like, I had no idea. I am so sorry. If I had known that, I would have never have done that. I would never have meant to hurt you. Never mind. See, sometimes we'll, we will cause more of a fire, we will cause more conflict, cause more problems, because we haven't gone directly to the person and, and to, to seek the truth, to seek to understand. 
And I want to tell you guys, before we assume that someone has done something or they've done it purposefully, we have to go to them. Jesus says, go directly to them. And in many communities and many organizations, whether it's work, it's school, it's church, like the last person that we go to when we're hurt is the person who hurt us. Because we're like either afraid of confrontation or we just, we just want to judge we, or, or maybe we want to get people on our side before we go to that person. And we haven't even, we haven't even worked it out. You know how much unity could be protected if we just went straight to the person we have an issue with or that we were, were worried about or whatever. Go straight to them. But instead we're like, hey, did you hear? Like they did this thing to me or they did this thing to somebody else. We let all these other people. And what does that do in a community? It just starts like rampant fires. I mean, it's it, like it's like a skunk, and all of a sudden the whole place starts smelling. And and what all? It, maybe just the only thing it needed was just two people to come together and work it out. And unity, unity is so important. I mean, a church. We live in a divided world, a place that has division all over the place, in marriages, in workplaces, between countries. It's it's our country is getting more and more polarized because people are so concerned about looking like they're right. They want the image of being like on this political party, even if they don't really act the way that they say they act. And I mean, this is happening all over the place and it's getting so divided. We need to be the peacemakers. We need to be the unifiers. The church is supposed to be a place where we work things out. We're not perfect, but we learn to, con- to, to protect unity. Does that make sense? Like this is God's heart, friends. And in uh, Matthew 18, Jesus teaches us how to maintain it. If another believer sins against you, go privately, directly to them. Point out the offense. If the other person listens and confesses it, then you, you've you won that person back and you've won unity. If they let you know that they didn't do it or they didn't mean that and you thought that's what they did or what that that's what they meant and you were wrong, then you've cleared it up and there's no fires, there's no disunity, and you move on. Now, it, it goes on to say if... Um, if you're unsuccessful, take one or two others with you and go back again. And part of this is, you know, like you want to you want to fight for unity. Unity is worth fighting for. Your families are worth fighting for. Our church is worth fighting for. And you don't fight for your church by trying to fight everybody. You fight for your church by trying to seek clarity with grace and love. And it brings unity. Guys, people are longing for unity. They're longing for peacemakers. And we're given the book. We're given the instruction. We're given God's spirit. And we are empowered by the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead to bring peace into our world. Are we taking it seriously enough? And go with some other people if that first time doesn't work. Fight for it so that everything you say will be confirmed by two or three witnesses so that you bring reality in case maybe you're off or they're off. You bring reality. And and then if that doesn't work, uh, you know, they've still refused, take your case to your church or your church leadership and begin working it out through, you know, other partners. And if that doesn't work, you keep going. But do you see how, like, we're, we're seeking unity? We're seeking unity. I just think that's so important. Number three um, on your notes, forgiveness releases us and others from being pulled under. Forgiveness releases us and others from being pulled under. If you guys remember this story, I'm going to read this. This is Jesus. He's at this party. Uh, One of the Pharisees invited him to eat with him. And he entered the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. And a woman in the town who was a notorious sinner... Uh, found out that Jesus was reclining at this table in the Pharisee's house. She brought an alabaster jar of perfume, which is very expensive, and st- stood behind Jesus at his feet, weeping. 
and began washing his feet with her tears. She wiped his feet with her hair, kissing them and anointing them with perfume. And when the Pharisee who invited Jesus saw this, he said to himself, this man, if you were a prophet, would know who and what kind of woman this is who's touching him. Because in that culture, it's like sin was an infection. And if he's a rabbi, a religious person, you can't be around sinners. And you need to have separation. And he says, she's a sinner. She's a sinner. She's an outsider. She's an untouchable. She's not worth his time. She's, she could be messing up his ministry. Like, if he really was a religious leader, he'd know that. And Jesus replied to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. Say it, teacher. A creditor had two debtors, one who owed 500 denarii and the other which uh, owed 50. Now, since they could not pay it back, he graciously forgave them both. Both of them, the one with the huge debt and the one with the smaller debt, both of them were forgiven because they both couldn't pay it. They were released from their debt. So which of them will love him more? Which will love the, uh, the, you know, the creditor who let them, let them go, released their debt? And Simon answered, well, I suppose the one who he forgave more, the one who owed the, the most debt. And Jesus says, you've judged correctly. Turning to the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? Remember, Simon's like, do you see that sinner? Jesus says, do you see this woman? I entered your house, you gave me no water for my feet, but she with her tears have washed my feet and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but she hasn't stopped kissing my feet since since I came in. You didn't anoint my head with olive oil, but she has anointed my feet with perfume. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins, and she has many sins, and you're right that she's got issues, her many sins have been forgiven. That's why she loved much. That's why she's worshiping. That's why tears are running down her face because she's been accepted and loved by a religious person, maybe for the first time. And Jesus is giving hope to people. He's, he's showing them there's a world out there of freedom where they can have the, all the weights, all the weight of sin that has been tied to them, that they've tied to themselves or others have tied to their identity and who they think they are. And that Jesus is coming in and saying, you can be freed from that. And so she is loved much, but the one who, who is forgiven little loves little. Forgiveness releases us from pain and bitterness. Don't you think this woman who's a sinner and everyone sees her as a sinner, not as a woman, who's in pain, don't you think that she might have a lot of reason to be bitter? You know? A lot of reason to feel angry at religious people? And she's just like sitting at the feet of Jesus, doesn't care, just has been freed and wants more freedom. I mean, just Jesus is changing her life. And she's just weeping and worshiping and loving. And she's doing the, the one thing everybody else should be doing. Isn't that interesting? The sinner who, who doesn't get it, the outsider. And some of us, I think get, we, get, we get hurt. And when you get hurt, it's like, you pick up a stone, right? When someone sins against you, it hurts. When someone speaks badly about you, it hurts. When someone gossips, slanders, does something that just that, that 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 damages your heart, your mind, your relationships, like it hurts. And we pick these things up, and then if we hold on to them long enough, we become bitter. You guys ever met someone that's bitter? It like changes, it begins changing their interactions with people, changing how they look at the world. There's a, there's a negativity, there's a, um, disillusionment. 
We, when we pick these things up and we hold on to them too long, it, it changes us. And forgiveness actually comes and releases us from bitterness. Number two, forgiveness releases us from the identity of unforgiveness and sin. See, when we pick these rocks up, when we pick these stones up, and, and where someone sinned against us, um, this strange thing happens. We start being defined by the thing that we hate, the thing that hurts. Let me uh, give an example of this. Um, let's see, Josh, would you mind uh, stepping up here real quick? I won't hurt you this time. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> sure. um, I got your word on that. Yeah, totally. Um, and uh, Josh is a good dude. He's a really good guy. He's actually, you've never really offended me. Um, he's your brewmaster. Not that I remember. That's right. Um, good guy. But but let's say let's say Josh did say or do something that hurt me. Okay. Um, what happens is we are like, oh, that hurt. This hurts. We pick up the rock and they've hurt us. And then we're like, I want to, I don't know that I can forgive him yet. <laughs> I don't know that I want to, uh, but I want to forget this and I want to get away from the pain. So we'll start walking over here, but we've got, we've got a hold of this thing, you know, and then we're, we want to go have a good life. Come with me. There we go. Nice job. And then we want to go talk with this relationship and we're at work and we're going all these places. But what are you, what are you carrying with you? You're carrying the weight of that hurt, of that sin, of that offense. And, and if we don't let it go, if you don't release this, you end up being, becoming defined by that hurt. Bitterness, negativity, anger, whatever this thing is. Become, and this is the saddest thing. The thing that we want out of our life actually becomes the thing that defines us because we're so attached to it. Um, and when all it takes is letting go. But it becomes like a shadow. How many of us are carrying like people around with us all the time? Things our parents said, things grandma said, things that like uh, uh, an old friend or things that an enemy said. We're carrying around with us all the time. Thanks, ma'am. Appreciate it. Um, we pick up these rocks, and they begin to be like our identity. Um, I had a friend um, who, for years, he picked up a rock. And he couldn't let it go. And the, the rock was, there was a guy that he respected that ended up saying, like, I don't think he has what it takes to do his job. And that hurt. It was, the way the guy said it and how he said it was just so wrong. It was so, it was so judgmental. And, you know, this guy was, he didn't know. But uh, this friend of mine, he carried that thing for years years walked around like he was he, be, he became defined by it. like he, the, one of the reasons he was doing his job he was always he was always bringing this up his vocation his work you know like this person said i couldn't do it but i'm gonna do it he's like they don't know and he'd bring it up all the time all the time and he was doing his job primarily like out of spite to show this person that he could do it now i i, I think that's pretty cool when you can overcome things that people say you can't do don't get me wrong but if we become more defined by what we're, for what we're doing by, by who we're upset with and the hurt, rather than the passion to do this thing, it's not going to be healthy and it's not going to last. And I can tell you that my friend, he, 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 he's not doing what he was doing because at some point he wasn't passionate about it. At some point he was just, there was so much unhealth. He, he left his work, he left what he wanted to do and he ended up fulfilling what this guy said um, because he had been doing it because he was being defined by that hurt, not the passion. Um, our identities can get wrapped. Who we think we are can get wrapped up into the hurt. 
Here, I, I was looking on, online, I think it was on Facebook, I saw this, it, it was like a medical thing, I just get like so disgusted, but also like entranced by some of those medical things. I saw a doctor pull out a parasite that would look like an eel. Don't pass out, there's a few of you guys that are like, ugh. It was like the size of an eel, and it had been living inside the body of a human being. Do you, can you picture that? <laughs> How unhealthy, like many of us have picked up these rocks, we've picked up these hurts and sins that are like, they're wrong, they're hurtful, they're, it's sin. And, but we've let it like wrap itself around our identity. It's like become a parasite living off of us and it needs to be removed. It needs to be just like dropped. Um, I've, I've had, uh, friends whose moms, multiple friends, and these are gals where their, their mom or their grandma or someone told them that they weren't pretty enough and, uh, you know, you're, 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 you're too heavy. I had one gal, like her mom was always making fun of her weight. And so that rock got dropped on her. It wasn't her fault, but boom, it hit her. And it, it sunk deep. And she held on to that thing for years. And it affected her, how she saw herself. It affected body image. It affected how she saw herself. And she was never beautiful enough. And um, it caused a lot of lot of issues in her life. And part of the freedom in her life was learning to let go of that. And friends, uh, that's what Jesus is saying. Like It would be better that you would like remove yourself from the situation than hurt someone like that. Because what happens is often when we have sin, we, we carry these things for so long, we're not, if we're carrying them a long time, we're not carrying them to God. We hide that aspect of our life or we walk away from the Lord. And sometimes people will walk away from faith because they've had, they've had these stones dropped into their life. One of the most amazing times of freedom was them letting go of that. Just like, I'm not going to live by what my mom used to say about me. It's like total freedom. My grandma one time, um, her sister, she took care of her little sister when she grew up. When she was growing up, she was like five years older. And then there was a point where they all got married. And um, my grandma's uh, sister married uh, an abusive man, abused her, and then abandoned her. And during the time where there was, uh, they didn't know at the time, but there was abuse and then uh, some of the abandonment issues going on. Um, my grandma's sister got really bitter. And she got really mean. She, whenever she was around my grandma, she was always putting her down. She was really short. She was really mean. My grandma loved her. And my grandma was the kind of gal, she would always kill people's kind of meanness with kindness, you know. And she wouldn't give them what they deserved. She would give them like, you know, pie instead. Or, you know, she was just this amazing gal. She had this amazing patience with people. Um, and she just kept loving her sister. And I remember it, she got, got so bad. And she, she said, you know, what, what is, what is going on between us? Like, why are you, why are you doing this? And, she, and, and her sister couldn't really describe it uh, other than I just, you know, it, it's not fair what you get. And, and there was this enmity, not even from what my grandma had done, but from what her husband had done. She was jealous and upset that my grandma and her, and her husband had a good relationship. And she didn't have that. You fast forward years, years, probably 10, 15 years, and really bad relationship for my grandma and her sister. And then one day, it just changed. That man had been out of her life for some time, and just something changed. And they became like best friends, and they just did everything together. My grandma one time was just like, hey, I have to ask you, what happened? Like, you used to be, you used to be real mean to me. And she's like, I love you, and I've always loved you, but, but what happened? Why, why are we all of a sudden good friends now? And her sister, they're both like five foot, barely. She's little hobbit women. And uh, she looked over and she did, had tears in her eyes. She said, oh, Novella, um, 
it just takes some of us a little bit a little bit longer to grow up. And that simple statement, there's so much in that, isn't there? She's saying like some of us have been carrying rocks longer than we needed to, and we couldn't let it go. But I've learned to let it go. And um, this is really cool. When my grandma was dying, my uh, that aunt, her sister, uh, flew from Portland down to Ontario, Southern California, almost weekly to be with my grandma. They were such; she was such a great support. They'd go in, into movies and they'd watch a movie, and then they'd sneak into another one. <laughs> totally my grandma she loved that move and um that wouldn't have happened if she couldn't have let go of the of the rock of the stone does that make sense there was freedom forgiveness releases us from the identity of sinner and judger it releases us it releases us jesus in this moment with simon and the pharisee and this woman who's at his feet crying and worshiping he says there's a sinner and jesus says hey look here's a woman and jesus is cutting away the sins and he's forgiving and he's releasing her to be who he sees her to be so she can find her identity in god's love as a child a beloved child of god and at the same time he's looking at this other guy who's judging and condemning and separating himself which is the religious pattern and and he's looking over at this woman and jesus is still helping this this judger and Jesus is trying to say, hey, you've only received a little bit of forgiveness, man, because you only love a little bit. You need to receive more forgiveness. And let me tell you, Simon, you got a lot more to forgive than you realize. you got a lot of stones you're carrying around. You're not even aware of it. Drop them. I had a friend tell me in the last service, he's like, he's a counselor, and he says, you know, a lot of people are like collecting garbage all the time, and all of a sudden they got this big pile of garbage, and they're carrying it around like it's this amazing thing. Like, Look at my pile of garbage. And he's like, it's garbage. When are we going to learn to release it. And Jesus is restoring the Pharisee and the sinner so that they both are become uh, sister and brother in the kingdom of God. Isn't that beautiful? Guys, this is what Jesus is about. Last thing here is um, forgiveness releases us from the identity of being a victim or a victimizer. And we live in a culture that people just want to remain a victim because we've been hurt and because our culture likes to nurse that. And some people have been really hurt, really hurt. But friends, if you don't let it go, it will, the hurt will define you. We will remain victims and not become who we can be, uh, if we stay there. And, and Jesus is empowering this woman who's probably a victim in her own culture. And, and some of us, you know, we're like a victim of our own sin. We just gotta like let go of stuff, let go of what we got in our life and start moving forward. And here's the deal. When we release um, and forgive somebody, we're releasing ourselves to live into our identity in Christ. But we're also allowing the victimizer, the abuser, the one who's wrong, the one who's sinned, we're actually helping remove that um, stone from their neck so that they can come to the surface and they can be healed. And sometimes we want to stay a victim because we don't want them to be free. Yeah? So my friend... Um, was starting to go under and he was holding his anchor and the raft was so close and he, he tried to get there one more time and his brother pushed him away and he said all of a sudden he just started screaming and gulping water and one relative, they had this big family reunion, one relative, an uncle from the beach saw him going under and he saw the situation and he just, he just yelled and Dale said, I'll never forget it. He, he just yelled, Dale, let go of the anchor. 
And he's like, you know, and as funny as it sounds, he's like, that thought had never occurred to me at, you know, five years old. And so I just let it go and I floated to the surface and I swam and I crawled like some like, you know, beached sailor. And I looked around and everyone's playing and everything's normal and all this adrenaline. I thought I was going to die and I'm crying. So I realized everything's okay. And so I moved, I started playing again. He was fine. This last week, I, um, I picked up a rock. Um, I know I'm a pastor, but, but I can pick these things up too. Um, and there was just the, some things that some, some, somebody I really cared about had done and said. And it just came, it hit me in a way, I hadn't thought about it in a while, and it just hurt. And as I'm like studying for my sermon to talk about forgiveness and releasing and letting things go, like I was struggling in my mind to let go of this this stone that came up, this hurt that someone had brought in my life. And and I, uh, it was so crazy. It was, uh, I think it was win- Tuesday or Wednesday, and uh, I was walking, or uh, it was the, the next morning, I was actually woke up, and I, it wasn't audible, but I felt it in my heart, God just say, let it go. And I was like, I knew exactly what he was talking about. I knew who he was talking about. And I was like, ah, okay. And so I started, you know, going to let it go. And for Christians, we bring our stuff to the foot of the cross where Jesus died and paid for the sins of the world, right? We bring it to the cross of Jesus. So I started bringing it. I was going to lay it down. Then I was like, but God, I don't really want to. I just, I still want to kind of, kind of be mad. It's hurt and they hurt other people. I'm, 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 I'm ticked about this. It wasn't right. Do you know how bad it was, God? And God's like, but you got to let it go. I started going, and I was like, but God, like, <laughs> they could hurt more people. There's got like, I'm, I'm still really frustrated. And God's like, you got to let it go. It's going to drag you down. It's going to. And so finally, I went and I laid it down at the foot of the cross, and I was like, okay. And it had to be a decision. And eventually, I felt, I all of a sudden felt more at peace. My mind started clearing. Like I wasn't thinking about it as much. And then the emotions came. Like I felt so much better. But it took a while. Often I think, like for me, I want the emotions. I want to feel like I want to forgive somebody before I have to commit to it. But that's just not the way we work, is it? Like we have to commit first and do and act often before we ever feel the emotion of forgiving and loving people, right? And um, some of us here today are carrying heavy stones or dragging us down. And we need to forgive. We need to release. Like Dale's uncle, let it go. And when you're bringing it to release it, put it at the foot of the cross. And you might have those thoughts in here, but they don't deserve it, God. He says, you got to let it go. But do you know what they did? You know how bad? You got to let it go. This isn't fair. It's not fair. Look at what's going on in their life and what it's done to me. You got to let it go. God is, God is the, the God of forgiveness. He forgave you and me so that we could become forgivers of others. So today I want to invite you to release it, to let it go. And we have it symbolically, sometimes I think symbolic actions are, have so much power. We have a table over here that has these stones and you can pick one up. Maybe you've got a lot of stones that you need to pick up. You got a lot of people, a lot of hurts, and you got to just, you know, like put them in and, and put them in your pockets and walk them. And as you're walking with the stone or the stones, as you're walking across the stage to lay it at the foot of the cross, say, God, help me release this. Be praying, God, would you help me release this? Would you help me? Would you help me? Would you help me? Let it go. Come to the surface. Find peace. Find life. No longer be defined by the things that have hurt you. Amen? So today... 
grab a stone and release it. Put it at the foot of the cross. Let's pray. Father God, we love you and we're so grateful for you. Would you help us to release those hurts that have come into our life? Would you help us to forgive? And Lord, thank you for the forgiveness. Thank you for the stones that you have cut away from our lives, from the weights, from the sins, from the unforgiveness. I pray that today would be such a freedom day for people. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.